All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Public Speakers Podcast. Today, I have Kayla on with me. She's all the way from the United Kingdom. Uh, we have to get this time difference thing worked out, but she's here today, and she's going to be talking to us about public speaking and give us all of her tips and secrets that she has. So, Kayla, let everyone know where you're from, how you got into public speaking, what you're currently doing, and then we'll get into some more questions. Home for me is the Caribbean. I was born in Jamaica and my public speaking journey started there really. When I was 10 years old, I went to the Catholic church and the priest asked me if I could read in church. At that time, I was a very shy little girl, but I decided to give it a try. I I didn't find it easy. It was hugely uncomfortable, but that's where the practice the whole thing started, right. standing on that stage and reading from a script. Yeah, that's where it started. Right. So you got your sort of first start in Jamaica when you went to church and the priest asked you to read uh, some scripture in front of some people. Yes. Um, how did you feel at that moment when you were, because I've, I've been in a similar situation when I was very young, um, not a religious situation, but a situation where I still had to speak in front of people. Were you scared? Were you nervous? Did you cry? How did that feel? I, I was scared because my my mom suggested to my dad that he should start attending church again. And he was a photographer. Right. So you can just imagine Palm Sunday, my father's in the church getting his camera all ready. And there's the priest looking at me to make sure it's done correctly. Right. I, I was very nervous. I remember when I just started out, my hand would always tremble. Tremble. I would right. get the shaking hand more than the voice. Yeah. Do Do you think uh, your experience as a young kid um, being forced to speak in public, uh, even if you didn't want to, subliminally and subconsciously got your over got you over the fear of speaking because you were just forced to do it so much that you never had to really confront it when you got older. It was just gone. I, when I, so at the age of 10, I worked on it. By the time I started high school there, the principal thought, well, you seem pretty comfortable with this. Right. So what he did, he sent me on the stage again for a further six years. I stood and spoke in the auditorium. Mm. It, it's like any, anything you do. It's like exercising, swimming. Right. It's a muscle that you work. And the, the more you work that muscle, the stronger it gets. So during that time, I got very good at, at hiding the fact that I'm very nervous. And, and I'm I wasn't you, comfortable. Right. And I'm assuming you went to Catholic school then for high school, right? It, it was it, it was not Catholic school, but... So what did the principal have you speaking on the, uh, on the stage? For I, I was called on to give vote of thanks at school. That's oh, kind of like blessings or grace or something like that. Yes, we would have something similar to assembly. Right, right, right. And he would get a speaker gotcha. to motivate or inspire us. And wow. then he, he would so give me that, that nod. you doing that at a very young age. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yes. Yeah. He would give me that nod and I knew it's my time to go up and make him proud. And I remember one at one point I went up and I did... <sighs> Because that relief that, yes, I saw him nodding, I picked up the cue, I get it now. But right. it, it takes a while to work beyond that. Right, right. Yes. 
So now you have your own uh, speaking and training business. You're a public speaking coach out in the UK. How did yes. you transition uh, over the past 10 years of your life to now do what you're doing right now? When did you start doing training? I, 2011, I hit my first transition and I, I went to Toastmasters. Gotcha. I went to Toastmasters. I attended flat out for seven years. I was there. Wow. I I entered speech competitions. I entered table topics. Mm -hmm. And I found myself writing humorous speeches. The ones that related to home some somewhere. Somehow life and my memories took me back to the Caribbean. And I wrote a humorous speech called Granny's House. What it was like going to the country to to stay with my grandma during the summer and I found people laughed about it. Mm. I wrote one on a hurricane. There were serious aspects, but there were bits that people laughed at as well. And I didn't see myself as someone who could write humor, but it's like anything else. Once you pick up that pen, the inspiration comes, you start put the two and two together and you think, yeah, I can do this. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. So then how did you transition then from your Toastmaster journey to becoming a professional speaking coach? Did you realize like, oh, I, I, have a I pushed myself out of Toastmasters and I joined the Professional Speakers Association in London. Right. That's one of the things I did. I got myself prepared for a showcase. And then word got out that, oh, maybe you should refer her. Maybe she could do a talk here. And I started to do talks for local councils and local businesses and they wanted me there for an hour right and that's how i get myself prepared understand exactly what they want me to deliver and the more you push yourself you get it you get it you feel it when it's working you figure it but out. there's a lot of learning to be done and i had to learn about the skill of storytelling for example right. understand what are the key aspects to telling a story or making sure it's, it doesn't go on forever. <laughs> right. Get to the point. And when you got invited to give these talks um, by business owners and, and different clubs and organizations, what would you go and what would you speak about? One of, one of the ones that I do very frequently is inspiring women. Mm. Inspiring women. And these women... Some of them are, they might be minorities, they're going through career transition. And some of them just need, just need someone to, to lift their spirits. Right. And I'm, I'm calling to show them how they can raise their game. So I, I give them what I call an inspirational story of me coming to the UK in right. 1996. Right. I, I take them back to that journey coming here and studying for my first degree in finance and then my MBA and what it took, what it took. But I speak a lot about mentors and and why we should have mentors because we all need mentors. You need mentors from you were born to the day you're leaving this earth (laughs) because that way you feel expanded and and you live a more purposeful and fulfilling life. So I... I, I speak about stuff like that. Right. 
So obviously, uh, getting over the fear of speaking has done tremendous things for you, for your business, for your life, for your ability to inspire people, for your ability to uh, enhance the quality and purpose and meaning of your life. For anyone listening to this podcast who wants to get over the fear of public speaking, what would be your best advice for them to begin that my process? Best, my best advice will be to, to show up. Whenever someone say to you, can you cover a slot for 10 minutes or half an hour, put your hand up and really sit down and create a structure that works. Create a good story. Go over it. When I work with women, I say to them, come and see me in your high heels. <laughs> because public speaking and the way we present, it's all of you. It's, yeah. it's how clear your head is, clear of stress or just day-to-day -day issues. It's working on your tone, your voice, being persuasive. It's everything. So in order to conquer that fear, I'll always say, put your hand up and take that first step. Say yes. Right, right. Yeah, I think that's a very important thing. I think most people don't uh, take advantage of the opportunities that they have. And a lot of people have opportunities to publicly speak, whether it's in school or college or just at their job where they can speak up. Uh, and I think the biggest thing is actually just being able to be present in those moments and fail, quite frankly, at those yeah. moments before you start to get actually good at being a speaker, right? Yes. Yes. It, it, it is tricky to just step up and think, I'm going to do this. Right. Right. It, it is. It, it takes confidence. I started out when I thought no one was watching. And it, it was okay. If I just do it this week or this month, it will be okay. But my, my principal was the one who always called me back. Right. right. Called me back. Yeah. And it's funny that you say that. I, when I was really little, and still to this day, I don't know why I'm saying when I was really little. It just started when I was little. Um, <laughs> I used to walk around the room with like a, like, like a remote control as the microphone. Uh, and imagine that I was speaking, imagine that I was singing, imagine that I was doing whatever. And I would think like there was a thousand people just in this room and I'm performing for them uh, when I really wasn't, right? There was no one there. So I think I've always imagined an audience in front of me, which is why I've never had to like imagine the audience in their underwear or whatever nonsense people say. Oh, okay. I just always imagined there was an audience. And then, and, and because I always imagined there were people there, when I actually got on stage, it wasn't that hard once I actually see people there, just because it's always been sort of in my head. Yeah, I I was born a shy child. I, yeah. I'm, I'm the total opposite. I'm listening to you. You sound like this confident little boy at the time, would walk around and say, I'm great, I'm amazing. I'm just going to woo the audience. Right. I'm the total opposite, Yeah. especially then. I, And when I work with people, it's, it's for you to find your voice, right. not use my words, it's for you to trust that what comes through works. But I, I suffered with shyness for a very long time. Yeah, and, and I think it's circumstance because I guess I would be lying if I said I was necessarily shy, but I also would be lying if I would say I popped out of the wound and I was just able to like start like, you know, being <laughs> who I wanted to be. I think I had circumstance. I think my mom put me in the right position. I think my mom forced me to like get out of my comfort zone at a very, very young age, which then started yes. exposing me to self-confidence and things of that nature. Um, but yeah. I think everyone is born not a speaker, right? I don't think every, I don't think anyone's a natural speaker. I think there has to be circumstances in your life that get you to find that inner voice to speak up. Yes. So talking about and inner when voice. And you find it, 
It's to believe, isn't it? Right. It's to believe that you have something to say. It's, yeah. it's to believe. I, I went on to business college and I went back to see my principal because I love them so much. Yeah. <laughs> and if I go home, I go and see them. But my years at, uh, at business college, I enjoyed those years. But I went to see, I went to the school and he said to me, we now do a speech competition mm. and you'd be perfect for the job. And I looked at him like, well, yeah, <laughs> I still don't get it. Sometimes we have to find that inner strength or that courage to believe that I can do this thing. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, the years of stepping up on the stage, going to competitions, what I've done to help me train people better is, is, is observe what's going on. Right. Why does this person look so much more nervous than this person? Yeah. In terms of finding your inner voice and helping clients find their inner voice that you train, what steps or methods do you use to help a client actually figure out what they want to say and find their inner voice? I, I normally, some people call me up and they say to me, I, I, I'd like you to help me to write an elevator pitch. Right. To, to script it and deliver it. That's one of the services I offer. Some people may say, I, I just need to be there for 20 minutes to speak about X, Y, and Z. But yeah. everyone who works with me, I take you through box breathing and, and, and meditation. So when I hear clients or prospects say to me, should I do any pre-work before? I said, no, because my work is about igniting your creativity. Right. And, and so the breathing techniques, do you think that's a strong way in beginning to like ignite their creativity? It's, it, it, it relaxes. It makes, keeps you grounded. Right. If, if you, if you do this training with anyone who is ungrounded, you, you can say it because they're in the room and they show a level of unease. I, I always say whatever you feel, the audience feels it too. Right. right. Yes. Right. Yes. So you can, you can look and see either that worry, that person who can't sit for long, won't sit, just right. look like they're going through a period of unrest right there. Too much, right. too much nervous energy. So it's one of the things I, I, I encourage you to do. Have you ever had clients come up to you and ask if they can take drugs to get over the fear of speaking? I've, I've not had that so far. But one of the things I do believe in, I do think sometimes we might be called on to speak and it's a very tough time in our lives. Yeah. It yeah. can be... A personal issue i i started my business the same year my father died right and to get that level of concentration when people say to you you're a public speaking coach they're expecting you to fill the room and entertain and be so engaging but you have grief holding yeah. right there in that bag yeah. one of the things i say to to clients if you need help seek the help of a professional while you work with me because the outcome will be far better yeah. because I am not a counselor. I don't do this work, but I know if it's not sorted and you're going through that stage of grief, 
and you want to be amazing and brilliant, you may have triggers that it might be very difficult to deal with. Right, right. Yeah, we, we get triggers. We can get triggers. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense, uh, especially when you're, like, holding on to stuff that's still, you know, going on in your head. It's very hard it's, to be... Yeah, and it, the triggers show up or humanity. Right. And it can, it can enrich a talk or it, it can just damage it completely. Right. And uh, I remember my, my father passed away the, in March of that year and I was speaking to the local mayor. I was speaking in this town where the local mayor was. And I made reference briefly to my life in the Caribbean. But when I looked outside, it wasn't that evergreen pine tree I saw. It quickly turned into a tamarind tree. Mm. And I saw my dad, this big guy, shaking it. And that's what I remember from my childhood. Right. Because we used to go and pick tamarind together. But the I still quickly I saw I saw the tears welling in my eyes. With awareness, you catch on to that and, and turn it round. <laughs> Me. bless yeah. you thank you <laughs> if you yeah. if you're not there then you, you you can just lose yourself completely but i was i was surprised that was a big learning curve for me big right. evergreen tree outside right quickly turned into a tamarind tree right. yeah and yeah, when i saw the tears in my eyes i remember saying to the audience we would go home make tamarind ball because i love making them with sugar and i'd lick them from the palm of my hands and it's it's just that little thing to bring people back to a, a place where they feel at ease i felt at ease and i could carry on right yeah connecting the the grief you're feeling with the actual moment of the speech by making an analogy to what you're talking about to actually uh get the audience entertain or like keep the audience entertained yes. and, and engaged how, how do you feel speakers can be more entertaining and engaging when they're on stage? Are there any tactics they can use to get the audience to interact with them? Because I hear speakers all the time say, I'm on stage, but I don't feel like I'm connecting with the audience. I don't feel like I'm having an impact. Do you think there's a better way for people to connect? Some, some, sometimes they haven't. It's a, it's a clear sign they haven't researched the audience enough. Right. Because you can connect with them at a deeper level a lot of times by just finding out their language, right. isn't it? Yeah. If, if you're speaking to uni students and you know the language that they use amongst themselves, or you, you meet locals and you speak, you use the colloquial terms, you get there much quicker. So one way to be more engaging is to really know that audience, know them, find a way understand why they really want you there and find out these little things yeah right yeah i think audience analysis matters because when you understand the demographics of your audience it becomes a lot more easier to find out things you can say that actually engage them um mm -hmm. in terms of storytelling um why do you think public speakers need to use storytelling when they're on stage why is it an effective way to get people to listen it's in in, in many ways depending on whether you're on stage for a, sh a long time or a short time, we know that stories are, are so memorable right. and the human brain loves it. But 
it's what it does to the physiology of the person telling the story. It relaxes you, it puts you in that time and that moment, and you don't have to go to drama class. Right. You don't have to, you can just be you and tell a story. You can use easy body language and someone think, yeah, I get that. So it's, it's the easiest way to put a point across, especially some, some things are not easy to discuss, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Some speeches are not easy to present. Some topics are harder than others. Yeah. And that's where storytelling comes in and just move everyone along. So at the end of it, they get the message. And when you are coaching clients is, uh, and they're trying to come up with a story, right? They have an idea. They want to take that idea and storyize it, I guess, uh, and deliver it to the audience. Is there anything you would do to begin the process of turning an idea into a story so that it's more relatable for people? If it's, I, I will listen to the story. And if, if it doesn't relate, I, I will point that out and encourage them to get something else. I worked with someone in, in branding and the, the story was way off Right. when you look at the speech. The, the person's speech didn't have, wasn't a brand, didn't have a brand. It was just not relatable at all. And right. my suggestion is, let's look at another one. Right, right. Yeah. All right. Well, that sounds good. My last question for you, which is the question I ask everyone on this podcast, is are you happy right now in life? Am I? Happy. Happy. Yes. Yes. Okay. That's yes. Good. That's very good. <laughs> I I will say, I will say yes. I've I've come through 2017 when I started this, and it seemed, how do I get my name out? How do I convince people that they need my help and I can offer something of value? And it 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 meant a lot to me to understand the deeper aspects of public speaking. Right. It's not just saying mama and dada. It's not just that. It's so much more working at, at my craft. But for years, it took me a long time to find my purpose. And this is what I love. I love how creative this makes me. I get up every day thinking there's something else to learn about this thing. Do I you... feel so alive. Quickly, do you think, like, I mean, you have your degree in finance, MBA, I'm assuming you've worked in the corporate world. Do you think that that time spent was not doing things in your purpose? It was just doing things for money, stability, and right now what you're doing, helping people find their inner voice, that is a larger purpose for you? Yes, it was. <laughs> it yeah, was. I'd but imagine. imagine. Life is, I, I had to go through the, the career coaching route. Right. I had to go through that and look at myself, what my values are, my real innate skills. I had to look at it. I had to strip away everything. I love those years, but it wasn't really me. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Usually, most it people... wasn't me. It it has taught me a lot, and I'm I'm glad I I did that. But I do think when you enter that second career, it's it's very important to to feel more in aligned with your purpose and, and what you're doing every day. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. That yeah. is Kayla from the UK. Kayla, can you just tell everyone where they can find you on social and then we'll be good to go. Oh, I'm sorry. I did. I missed that. 
No, you're good. Uh, just tell everyone where they can find you on social, and then we'll be done. I'm I'm on LinkedIn, Kayla Conley, and, and I'm on Facebook, Kayla Conley Public Speaking. It's it's very easy to find me. <laughs> very all easy. Right. Yes. Awesome. Thank you all I for thank listening. Thank you so much for yeah, reaching out on LinkedIn, putting this together, Absolutely. and here we are today. Here we are. It's beauty of yeah. technology. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening to the podcast, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Excellent. Bye-bye.